Thank you guys so much. Um, uh, I know TJ and Leah very well. Uh, we, we pastor actually in the same city. And uh, you, need some, you need some friends in your own city that are pastors as well, right? And so uh, it, it is an honor to serve the Lord in the same field with, with you guys. And you guys are great leaders uh, as well. And they, they are right. My wife, uh, you're going to hear it today. If you don't know my wife, Amy, here's what you'll know right away. Her name means beloved and she's loved. In fact, I tell people all the time, nobody's left our church because of Amy. <laughs> With this long list of people that have left because of me, but no one, no one has left because We're of her. We're balanced together. Yeah. And uh, we are Ark Church Plant number five. And so um, we, we obviously have been around the Ark for a long time. We, we serve on the executive team. And uh, it is truly a heart of ours to not just pastor the city and make it hard for people to go to hell, right? Uh, but is also to be in relationship with other pastors in the Ark. Uh, it is it's truly, it's kind of like, it, this is as close, I think, as you can get to heaven on this side of heaven as what God does through the ark and the relationships that we have. So we're really honored to have you guys here today. A little bit about our family. I'll share that side is Randy and I have been married almost 26 years. It'll be 26 years in June what? of this year. Yeah. And um, actually he was my middle school crush. So I had to wait a little longer before he noticed me. <laughs> we didn't start dating till college, but he was my middle school crush. And then we have four beautiful children, um, 22, 20, 18. They were five, three, and one when we planted our church. And then we had a surprise along the way, no health insurance. It was kind of a major shock in our life. And um, we have our daughter who is 15. So we have three boys and a girl. And then our oldest son, Jordan, is here. Yay, if you ever want to ask any questions, about how to raise a son in ministry or a child in ministry, ask him. He'll tell you what we did well, what we didn't do so yeah. well. Just he'd love to share that with you. And he got married actually last summer. So we now have a daughter-in-law as well. So yeah. That's and I got him on the four-year plan for grandkids. What? I know. He's so ready for grandkids. And I'm like, babe, I just want to get the ones we have in our house out <laughs> before I get to focus on those grandkids. Yeah. So. Okay, so uh, Amy, let's, uh, let's talk about our topic for today. And so um, we're going to be talking about a topic that I think all of us struggle with, right? And so uh, we're just going to kind of tag team a little bit, and we're going to leave some room at the end of this session for uh, some Q&A as well. You know, I thought it was interesting when we were approached about talking on comparison because um, we all struggle with it, right? It, it's something everybody struggles with, and there's probably not any magic formula that can help you deal with it except making the choice. But I thought it was interesting today that even in the sessions all through the morning, comparison was kind of weaved into everything that was said today. And I just want to say, commend you guys for coming because this session isn't really about a systems or how to grow the church, but it's about the heart. And so I just want to say thank you so much for coming to, to help yourself grow so that you can grow your ministry and what you're doing in your college. Yeah, walking in the doors to the comparison session. I mean, that's right. I mean, you should give yourself a hand clap for that. I mean, right, right. You know, and just to identify, you know, what are some questions that I have for you are, have you compared yourself in the last 24 hours? 
Probably so. I know I have. The art conference. Since you I've know? been here, I'm comparing <laughs> stuff, right? You know, have you said to yourself, you know, I wish I had that building or, you know, why can't I be asked to speak on that platform? I'm as good as they are. Um, you might be saying, um, you're looking at social media and that steals your joy and, and robs you of what you're your contentment in life and everything, and you start comparing and looking at other people. Those are just some questions that help you identify that we all struggle with comparison. And you know, comparison has become so common that we don't even realize how damaging that it can be. And 2 Corinthians 10, 12 through 13 says, we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. They are not wise. You know, it seems like the wording that uh, we've heard throughout the conference so far, and you know, it's only been a few of the main sessions, but comparison is a poison and it really is a poison. It'll destroy you and uh, you'll never really live and be as fruitful in what God has called you to uh, if you're living with this poison of comparison. That's why the scripture is says we dare not classify or compare Uh, those words, uh, classify, it it really means like, like different classes of society. Almost. It is kind of, we were flying over here on Southwest airlines. And so, uh, you know, we had our, our ticket, you know, where you're getting in the zone and you're standing there. And I was like, I got like an a seven ticket or whatever. And this lady walks up like kind of all prideful and everything. She goes, what are you? It's like, I'm a seven. She goes, I'm a five and kind of like pushes me to the side. So move aside, move aside. I'm up here to the front. Right. And, and so when we compare ourselves, we, we actually are saying that, that there are some that are better than others, but we all know this, at least in our mind, it's hard to drop from our mind to our heart. Is it not that there are no greatest in the kingdom of God? There, there are no levels. In fact, Jesus was speaking once of John the Baptist and he says, as great as he is, he's the least in the kingdom of God. You know, we, we don't need to compare ourselves. And we, we do that by looking at what other people have. And we want that. We get jealous of that. As Amy, as you said, there's kind of two sides of this, right? You get, you get full of pride and you're like, well, I'm better than them. Or you're full of jealousy. I wish I wished I had what they had. But uh, there, there really is no comparison or classes when it comes to the kingdom of God. No, there's not. I mean, most of the times comparison does. It leads to pride or it leads to insecurity and jealousy. And, you know, when we're good or better than someone, that's pride. But then a lot of times you look at people and, and it just makes you insecure in who you are and what God's called you to be. And it's just important to be aware of those things. You know, the, uh, I think that comparison, it could be likened to idol worship. And, and worship is simply drawing worth from something. And if we're drawing worth because uh, we, we have a talent or we're in a station of life and ministry or in life and raising kids or whatever it is, and we draw worth from that, that is idol worship because you're getting worth from something other than God. I'll never forget years ago, I was uh, preaching about this idea of worth. And I used my daughter. She was pretty young at the time, but she had this stuffed animal that was her favorite stuffed animal, right? And it was one of those, if you've raised kids, you know what I'm talking about. They can't go to sleep without it. They can't go anywhere without it. And it falls apart and it just, it smells awful, right? And Amy keeps sewing it back together and the eyes and the ears are falling off. And, 
And so I use that as an illustration about worth. Now, this thing is ratty and it smells, but the value of something is not determined by my eyes or your eyes, but by the owner. And, and to, to our daughter, that was the most valuable thing that she had. Okay, let me tell you how bad this story gets because I forgot it at church. And this was during portable church days and I left that stuffed animal at the school. It's in portable church purgatory somewhere. You know, you know, there's stuff in portable church that you can't find. It's just, it's gone there. It's like those socks that you lose, you know, and it's somewhere in there is never to be found again. She was so upset. We literally Mama was had, upset too. Yeah. Because we had to deal with it. Did you see that look she just gave me? <laughs> we had sleepless nights and Emily was so distraught because we lost something that was of value to her. When you and I try to draw worth from something other than what God says about us and what he's given to us, then I promise you there will be sleepless times. Yeah. There will be restless times in your life. Uh, because that is the wrong worship. That is drawing worth for some, from something other than what God says about you and who he says you are. You know, comparison keeps me self-focused and not on God. And really, it can create and produce anger and resentment towards God because you're not thankful for who he's made you to be. Um, for me personally, my personal story is um, I never, I always wanted to be in ministry. I've loved God all my life, but I never wanted to lead anything. I for sure never wanted to be a lead pastor's wife. And um, the reason why is because I didn't feel like I fit into the mold. I actually am a very behind the scenes person. I don't really like being up in front and stuff. would rather serve all day behind the scenes. And so for the first few years, that was really difficult for me. And then I, um, I remember God just, I was just kind of angry with God in some ways. I, I knew God had called me to marry this man. And so it was more not, I wasn't mad at him. I was mad at God for why didn't you create me differently? You knew where you were calling my husband. So why didn't you make me different? And I just remember God saying, all I've called you to do is love my people. And that looks different according to whatever your gifts are that God has given you. And so you just need to be faithful with how he has created you and what he has called you to do. And for me, I had to learn I couldn't compare myself. I wasn't Holly Wagner. I wasn't Lisa Revere. I wasn't these people, but I could love my church family. And it was who God called me to be. So you are the perfect person for where God has called you. And he will equip you with everything you need for that calling and rest in confidence of that and just rest there and stay there. That's so interesting, you know, what you said. If you think about it, I think the, the, the revelation of what you were just saying is if I'm at a place and I'm mad, I feel like I'm not called or fit for this place and it's like, God, I wish I was something else, then what you're saying is that God made a mistake. Yeah. And, and in essence, you're, you, you're, you're not in a wrong place and God didn't make a mistake. I think what he's teaching us in all of those moments, because we all deal with comparison. Is that right? It, it should be that God, uh, I'll lean into you more in this because when I'm weak, well, then you actually can make me strong in that area. And Amy hates being up here and she's great at it. She, when I, when I can beg her and talk her into sharing the platform with me at church. I was mad at him this morning. no. Not this morning. We were walking from the car over here and she's like, I just don't know why you make me do this. Yeah. 
but it's because I love people and I've seen his faithfulness in it. I can be honest with this too. This isn't even in our, but I experience God's presence like I never do any other time when I step up here because when I'm weak, he is strong. And I've truly, I would miss out on that and I, if I didn't place myself in positions where I totally had to lean on him. So you'll probably walk in a lesser of anointing than what you're called to if you stay where you're comfortable. Yeah. Hmm. So true. So true. You know, and so we are just talking and some of the cures to comparison are water your own grass. Don't waste your time comparing your life to someone else's. The grass, remember, is not greener on the other side. And as I was thinking about this, I was like, you know, we, we talk about comparison all the time and usually it's negative. It leads to pride and it leads to insecurity. But you know, at the same time, comparison can be a tool to motivate you and to inspire you as long as you keep your heart right. And so I just wanna encourage you in that, you know, be inspired in others to help you you grow in what God is wanting to do in your life. And then look at your fruit and see what fruit are you producing from that. That is such a great point. You're, you compare. I mean, we're going to see other people's stations or season that they're in in life. And we're going to go, well, I wish I had that. So comparison becomes poison when it's like, mm-hmm. oh God, why don't I have that? But it becomes a fuel when you actually go, okay, what can I do to grow in that particular area? And that's what you're saying. And, and I know for me, uh, in my comparison, how I've handled that, when I look at where other people are, I go, man, if I had that building, if I had that many volunteers, if I had that kind of money or, or that kind of worship, man, I, I could be that big of a church too, man. But here's what I had to realize, that I needed to steward what I had. It goes back to the story in the Old Testament where the widow says, my son and I are going to die. And the prophet goes, well, what kind of oil do you have? Well, I only have a little bit. Okay, well, take the oil that is in your house and begin to pour that. And as long as she poured the oil, the oil flowed and it provided her needs more than enough as well. But it wasn't until she began to pour the oil that was already in her house and, and she poured it in empty pots, empty vessels. And I would encourage you, when you look at other people and you go, well, if I had those volunteers or that staff or that money, I would tell you to start pouring into the vessels that you already have. Now, I don't know about you, but I know it's true at Bayside. God doesn't send vessels that are ready to go. He sends me some crackpots, man. I mean, people that I'm trying to don't want them to come to my church. Like, God sent me the good people, man. But he never does that, right? They're empty. They're broken. They're cracked. And I go, well, I, that's not what I'm asking for. God, I want those people like Highlands has or, you know, like Joel Osteen. I want that smile and that hair. <laughs> and so I can't do anything about the hair, but I can smile, right? right. And, and so here's the point. Uh, don't look at what you don't have as a lack. As Amy was saying, stretch. Yeah. Start pouring into what you do have. Jesus yeah. described it like this. The context of this verse is, is a little different. They, his disciples brought him food when he was ministering to the woman at the well, and he goes, I don't need any food. And they go, wait a minute, you're not hungry. And he says this, he says, my nourishment is to do the will of my father and what he sent me to do. But you can still contextualize it to this because he said, my nourishment, my, my fulfillment comes from doing what I'm called to do, not what someone else is called to do. Yeah. And you will never be fulfilled. You could have all the buildings and the leaders and the money you want, and you'll be empty and you'll be void. You preach that to the church when it comes to money, right? 
honor God by putting him first because fulfillment doesn't come in climbing the corporate ladder. Fulfillment won't come in you having a certain station or situation in ministry. It'll come from just being faithful with what God has given you. You know, the second thing is to be encouraged that God is not finished with you yet. You know, comparison, I think, is a tool that Satan uses so many times. And if we heed to it, it's going to consistently cloud the clarity of the call that God has on your life. It's going to cause confusion. And we want to see you guys get to the end of what God has called you to. You know, we won't be distracted by comparison if we are captivated with the purpose that God has given us. And so we will never be secure, even in our calling, if we're always looking for the approval of people. But we have to remember that our self-worth, it comes from the Lord. And so in in this whole idea, it kind of goes along with what I was saying just a moment ago about the oils in the house, that Mm -hmm. uh, you have to just be a good steward of, of where you are. In other words, be faithful with the station that you're in in life, because God isn't finished with you yet. When we started our church, we, we had 220 people at our very first service. And, you know, we were only the, the fifth art church plant, but my, my brother and Chris and those guys needed 500 people at their first service. And, you know, we only had 220 people. I was still, you know, encouraged because I was surprised anybody showed up, right? Uh, but then it slowly grew down to 87 people, right? Quickly, uh, kind of quickly. Well, from September all the way to January, yeah, it, it just grew. Uh, that, I guess that is quick, you know, so going the wrong way. That's what I do know. And I remember being so discouraged because I was comparing with other people, what God had done in their church and through their launch. And uh, I just had to get to the place where I was just going to be faithful with what God had given us. And so I made a decision that I was going to be faithful with 87 people. In fact, the wording exactly is, God, if we only have 87 people, I'm going to be the best pastor of 87 people that this community has ever had. And, uh, and that's like, God, I know you're not finished with me yet. There is a yearning. There is a desire. I really want to accomplish more. But God, that's up to you. God, you are the one that grows the church. Yep. I'm just to be faithful with these 87 people that you've given me. Yeah. And then it began to grow in the other direction. But it has everything to do with this realizing God's not finished with me yet. So just be faithful with where I am. It's true. It's crazy when his heart just turned to surrender mm-hmm. that it's like God's like, OK, you finally realize it's not about you. It's about me. And that's when God started truly growing. And another thing about God isn't finished with you yet. Maybe he's not finished with your family yet. I just want to speak to this real quick is we have four children that we are raising in the church. And, um, you know, sometimes it, that's hard. Um, sometimes it puts a lot of pressure on your kids, especially if you're in ministry where a lot of people know who they are. And I remember I would sit, I struggled in comparison with our, even our kids sometimes because our kids have all loved God. But They've gone through seasons where maybe they weren't, you know, on fire. And I remember, you know, we'd be at church service and, you know, I'd be looking at these these students that are just on fire, their hands raised, and mine might be there, but they were just kind of standing there because they were there, or they weren't even there. Or I'd come to an art conference and, and hear some of the pastor's wives talking about how all their kids are serving in ministry, and it's just amazing, and life couldn't be better. And, you know, I just remember I was comparing and getting discouraged in that. And then I just had to learn to trust God and be faithful. It's not our, go- our job to change our kids' hearts. It's the Holy Spirit's job. And so we've got to surrender even our children to him and trust 
him in that. And so as I did that, it's just cool. I just wanna encourage the parents in here, be patient with your children. Just love them. Don't put pressure on them. Don't compare them to other people because God has the perfect plan for them. It may or may not be ministry, but God has a plan for their life. And so now it's just cool how over the years, um, God now is starting to move our oldest son. Three years ago, he was all business. I'm never, I'm not going into ministry. I'll support the vision, but I'm not going into ministry. And wouldn't you know now he's actually on staff full time at the church and he's in love with Jesus. And so I just wanna encourage you parents in that, that God's not finished with your children yet either. So don't give up on that. Yeah, our kids in ministry, they face so much pressure anyway. Isn't that right? There's so many expectations. Why is it in ministry? It's kind of the, probably the only profession just because you're a pastor that other people go to your kids and go, well, you're going to be a pastor too. I mean, if you were a carpenter, they would, are you going to be a carpenter too? Or, you know, but some reason in ministry, there's that external pressure that comes from people. They're not trying to be mean. They're just, they're just having a conversation with, with your kids perhaps. So if they're already feeling pressure and they already feel compared then the best thing you can do is to not put pressure on them as well. And, uh, and that's what Amy really was talking about. And you have to trust God, the same thing with your kids, just like you do with the church and ministry as well. Yeah. Um, the next thing is you are not perfect and never will be, but God wants you to just be you. You know what? There's always gonna be a better speaker out there. There's always gonna be a better pastor. There's always gonna be a better wife, mom, someone that's better looking. I could go on and on and on. You know, but we need to magnify in our minds what God has said about us. Um, put the word of God in front of you. If you struggle with comparison, put what he says about you in front of you every day. It's a choice that we have to make because I would say in here, probably 100% of us have struggled with that at some point in our life. It could be even be minute by minute, but it's a choice that you make every day. Jesus said this in John. He said, when you lift up the son of man, then you will know that I am he. And he says, and I do nothing of my own initiative. I only do the things that the Father has told me to do. Mm -hmm. I think it's important for you and I to understand who we are and whose we are and what God has called us to do. Yeah. And uh, we don't have to try to lift ourselves up. Uh, we just need to do and say exactly what the Father has told us to do. And so stay in your lane kind of a thing and do, yeah. do what God has called you to do. And Jesus says, then you'll lift up the Son of Man. And that word lift means uh, to gain a sphere of influence. Now, we all, even in the purest sense, don't we want to have a greater sphere of influence? Of course we do, because we want to make a difference while we're here on this earth. Well, how do we do that? Well, you just run in your lane. Do what God has called you to do. He's the one that grows and increases your, your, your social media influence, your brand influence. You let him worry about that. And you just worry about running your lane and doing what God has called you to do. And don't worry about what other people said. Even Jesus had to face this, right? Because Peter tried to discourage him from doing what God had called him to do. And he said, get behind me, Satan, right? And I think a lot of times we have to be careful of the people that we're listening to. Because some people, just as Peter, he didn't have the things of the Lord in mind. He had earthly things, Jesus said. 
And so I think a lot of times people want to push doors open for us. Or, well, why aren't you speaking at this? And why aren't you doing these things in, in ministry? And so we start trying to, to push ourselves into places perhaps that we're not ready fit yet for, or even that God hasn't necessarily called us to. I see so many times pastors uh, running off to, to speak and to find platforms for themselves and to grow their influence. But is that really what God has called you to do? For me, I made a decision years ago. I don't, I don't seek platforms. God called me to pastor Bayside Community Church, and I'm going to do the best I can at that. And, And it's through that, if God opens up other doors, then so be it. But I'm not going to look for those doors. I'm going to be faithful with what God has given me to do. And so, amen, I'm going to win my city for Jesus. Who cares about platforms? I don't need to be at a conference this or a conference that or this place or that place. How is that? Ask yourself this question. How is that going to help you accomplish why God called you to ministry in that place in the first, for the, in the first place? And uh, I, I just... I think that we'd be better by not chasing other things Mm -hmm. and just doing what God has called us to do. Maybe you're in here and you're a support staff and you feel like there's more in you than where you are right now. And oftentimes we think, well, if my pastor or my leader, if they could just see, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but if they could just see what God has really shown me about my life and we feel like we're being shortchanged, can I just encourage you? Just bloom where you're planted. You know, if you, take, if you take a plant, you put it inside this, this pot, and, and it grows as much as it can, it becomes what's called root-bound. Mm-hmm. The pot is not big enough, and then you have to pick it up and put it somewhere else. Let me encourage you, become root-bound where you are. Mm-hmm. Just bloom so much. And, and even if your leaders do not see it, Psalm 75 says that God is a God of promotions. He lifts one up, and he'll put another one down. Yeah. If God really has more for you than where you are right now, then no man, no pastor, no woman, no person can keep God from from fulfilling that. You just be faithful where you are and you watch God just lift you up when the time comes. You don't have to seek doors and seek opportunities. Just be faithful in Jesus name. Stay in your lane, right? And we all have to learn that. I know early on in the church, I was trying to figure out who I am. All the time I tried to preach like Andy Stanley. He's way smarter than I am. I can't do one thought and weave it all around. I can't keep one thought in my brain for five minutes. How am I going to do it for 35 minutes, right? It was horrible. Why? Because I'm not Andy Stanley. Mm -hmm. As Joel Osteen said earlier, he goes, I'm really good at being Joel. You know what? I'm really good at being Randy. And I'm going to be Randy. And I'm going to be the best Randy. I'm going to grow. As you said, I'm going to stretch myself. I'm going, to, I'm going to try to be better. I'm going to learn from the Andy Stanleys and the Joel Osteens. I'm going to learn from those guys, but I'm just simply going to be me. Yeah. There's a lady in our church uh, who uh, early in our church life, she was involved in kind of helping in our women's ministry, mm-hmm. uh, but she writes books in the education genre. And, and in that genre, in that world, she's like bestseller list every year. She's a brilliant uh, curriculum specialist. She was doing women's ministry in our church and she was still doing that. That was her, you know, pay the bills kind of job. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, she wanted to do ministry, but God was breathing on this. And I kept telling her, 
I just see the Lord moving in this area. But you don't understand, Pastor Randy, but I want to do women's ministry and, and God's going to put me in front of women. And, and I said, maybe so. And I'm not saying that's not it, but we're following the cloud. The doors that are opening in this area, it is the hand of God. Mm-hmm. And she made a decision to lay all of that down and started going after this in this education world. And she literally speaks to tens of thousands of people at a, in one particular time in the education realm, like huge arenas. And then because she has such a faith in God, they are allowing her to share about her faith and say, well, I'm going to do another session about that. If you guys want to come And all of those teachers come to hear her session and she's sharing Jesus with them. And that would have never happened if she wouldn't have followed the cloud and listened to people in authority over her life. And in fact, she's mentoring a couple of pop singers right now. If I told you their name, you would definitely know it. She's having one-on-one time coaching calls and mentoring times with them. Why? Because of the influence that she gained inside the, the education world. And, uh, and so my point just simply is you need to have people in your life that you'll listen to And even if they don't see it like you see it, God is up to something. Just trust him and be faithful with where you are. Yeah. You know, which reminds me of the verse, um, Psalms 90, 17, and it says, may the favor of the Lord our God rest upon us, establish the work of our hands for us. I mean, that should be all of our prayer in here is that scripture. And then the next thing is just remove anything that's that causes you to compare and steal your joy. Especially I think in today's age, that's social media. Social media is horrible. You know, it's, it's great in some ways because it can inspire you, but it also can create and feed that inadequacy and that self-doubt. And so my recommendation is get off of it. You don't need to be on it if it's stealing your joy. Roosevelt said that comp- comparison is the thief of joy. And you know, I think we ought to all just take our phone right now and just throw it as hard as we can across the room. Life would be easier sometimes, <laughs> wouldn't it? You know, That's for sure. It, there's, there's obviously, it's, it's a great tool. But, uh, you know, on, after a great weekend, I can celebrate. You know, we had, you know, we had some baptisms. That's great. I read somebody else's and they had more baptisms and we have people at church, you know, all of a sudden I feel like a big loser, you know? And so be careful about comparison Mm -hmm. or they post their sermon and I'm like, man, I should have said that. That was, that was better than what I said. Right. Come on. We all deal with that. So Amy's really talking about managing your social media. There's probably times you shouldn't get on it. Right. Yeah. Totally. I I know we are preparing for this and I was reading social media and somebody we know was talking about her husband and he had brought her flowers and he was just amazing. And here I started thinking, gosh, I was like, you know, I know I'm speaking on this and I'm like, gosh, I wish Randy would bring me flowers. And it just started like, she is not kidding. I was in trouble. I mean, it just starts feeding that, that comparison can just get in there and truly be poison. And so another thing that we need to do is be thankful and have an attitude of gratitude. You will never be ungrateful when you understand that all you have is because of the grace of God. You know, what God has blessed us with is a gift from Him. Who we are and the gifts that He's placed inside of us, that's all because of Him, not because of us. You know, for me, I was just um, reading something a while back and it's helped me stay positive and, and not compare is to every day just write down 10 things that you are thankful for. It's a habit to kind of create that gratitude in your life. 
There's so many things that God has done. And we can, you know, as type A leaders, you wouldn't be at a ministry conference if you weren't like a go-getter kind of a leader. So we're thinking about the next hill to climb, right? And so as a result of that, we are focused on what isn't done yet. And this stopping and pausing and writing down the things you are grateful, that's so important. We, we kind of tried to build this attitude of gratitude even inside our church. So every week we call other churches in our community and we ask them, what are your prayer needs? And how can we be praying for you? And we are thankful for the community that we're in, for the other pastors and churches and leaders that are in our town. We pray for them on our weekend services, praying for other churches. I'm thankful for the other pastors and leaders that are in our community. You know what? We honor other pastors and other churches in our community. If somebody comes to our church and they're from your church or any, it doesn't matter where, and they want to badmouth somebody, I just go, zip it. <laughs> we don't do that here. We're honoring other people. I'm thankful for the other pastors that are in our community. And I still do this to this day, and I started it from the day that we moved in. I went to other pastors in our community who were, I would call kind of like gatekeepers. You know, these are influential pastors and leaders. And I would go to them and I would say, I'm starting this church in town, or I just started this church, or I'm a pastor in town. And uh, you guys have done an incredible work here. And I just wanted to honor you and say, thank you for all the work that you've done. I get to come here and reap what you've sown. Yeah. I honor you and I'm thankful for you. And, and I never want to be in competition with you. If we can get rid of comparison, you could change the climate in your own community amongst the pastors and the churches there. And how do you do that? Starts with you praying for them, honoring them, going to them and honoring them as well. When, when other churches, we've sent offerings to other churches who are building a building or got some kind of a program going gratitude, give money to somebody else. Well, that'll make you thankful for them right there. That'll change your complaining and your negative attitude towards them, right? Yeah. I just wanted to say one more thing and it, it kind of ties with comparison, but um, people ask me all the time, like, what's your greatest advice? And I just want to encourage all of you in here. All of you obviously are in ministry in some way, shape or form. Love where God has you right now. Quit missing the miracles that God is doing right in front of you because you're trying to get to the next season of life. Because so many times we're missing those special things that God is doing right around us because we're, we're see somebody else that has more campuses than us or, you know, has a bigger building. And there are sweet things that God is doing right now in your ministry that you'll never get back. So just love the season that you're in and that'll help you in the comparison as well. I think this might be a good phrase for this, Amy, is that we should be content, but not satisfied. So, uh, you know, you have to learn contentment, Paul says, you know, just be content with where you are, but you should never be satisfied. In other words, that's growing and yearning and have faith for more. And uh, that, that's a good way to kind of balance the tension, right? And so we can sometimes think, well, I should just, you know, maybe I shouldn't strive for more. No, it's the tension to manage. You should strive for more. You should never be satisfied with what you're doing. This is about eternity, guys. We have to reach as many people for Christ as we can. We can't be satisfied in that, but we need to learn how to be content in the station that we're in, the season of our church, the season of our family, or our kids, or financially, or whatever that it is. So uh, what we want to do now is open up the floor for uh, some questions, if you guys would uh, have some, and, and it can be about comparison. It could be about anything, family, ministry, whatever, whatever it is. So there's a microphone back here. I think they're going to capture your question so that uh, all of this is being recorded. 
So be careful what you say. <laughs> so just raise your hand and who's going to go first? Oh, here we go. Stay, right. Tell everybody your name and where you're from. So I'm Arthur. I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah. AT aliens in the house. Right. Come on. Okay. Where we go. Atlanta. Got the yeah. dirty birds over there. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> so no. So my question is regarding um, social media. And the comparison thing, like, how do you, um, you know, obviously it's a tool, right? You, you mentioned that. So how do you manage the, the fact that you're trying to engage your congregation uh, and share your life with them through social media while at the same time being, being disciplined and saying, I'm not just going to scroll and see stuff that's going to feed the insecurities or the inadequacies. How do you do that? How do you manage that? I, I think for me, like I do get, it. for me, it's always the struggle of, I hate social media and I love it at the same time. For me, it keeps me in touch with our church family. So I don't want to get off of it at all because it keeps me in touch with my church family. But I've just personally had to come aware, be aware of, if I start feeling that, I just put it down and I just don't scroll through it. I mean, you know, some days you're stronger at things than other days. So there's just days that maybe you're a little more sensitive or you're feeling a little more insecure or whatever. And so I think it's just being aware of it and making that choice. You know, I just remembered something we did with our kids when they were younger, uh, if, they were, if they were being selfish. So rather than tell them, don't be selfish, don't be selfish, we just started telling them, what's the, what's the positive side of that? So why don't you be generous and why don't you be encouraging? So I would tell you when you're scrolling through social media and you feel this discouragement, this jealousy, this less than with someone else, don't just like it, comment. Well, praise God. I mean, that's awesome what God is doing there. So instead of saying, don't, 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 just start doing the opposite, the positive of it. That's great. That's awesome. You have a quiet I'm Lincoln from Yakima, Washington, um, and we have four kids. Three of them love Jesus. Um, and how have you not um, put comparison with your kids? Like one kid is really on fire for God, the other one. So how have you parented without trying to make them be somebody that they're not in the season of life that they're in? That's a great, that's a great question. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's very important uh, the wording and, and what you use when you're dealing with your kids, uh, that they don't feel compared to, to the other one. And I don't know that we did it right all the time. And our son is up here and he may want to add some of that and, uh, to, to all of that. He's a wealth of knowledge and I'm so proud of the man that he has become, uh, in, in spite of the things we've done. And then a lot of things I think we've done great. And here's what I would say to that is just tell each one of your kids that you have a calling. And you have a purpose and you're going to be good at certain things that other people are not going to be good at or other siblings are not going to be good at. And what we want you to do is be the best that you can be. We had this phrase in, in our family with our kids and that we use this as BZs. By the way, uh, when it comes to ministry, there are a lot of things that you're not going to want your kids to do or you're going to want them to do. And, and if they think it's because of ministry, they can resent that. But everybody likes their name. So we would say BZs. We don't do good. We don't do better. We always do our best. And so let's see the things that you're good at and you need to be the best you that you can be. You don't need to be the best sibling or the best someone else. Be the best that you could be. So did you do your best? 
Yeah, you did your best, but you made a C on the test. Maybe they're making an A in that subject, but that's the best you can do, and I celebrate that, and I'll take you for ice cream, and I'll get you a cookie, and I'll give you an attaboy or whatever it is because you did the best that you can do, and that helps foster this idea of uh, it's okay just to be me, uh, but it also strives and pushes them to strive to be their best. Amy, you have anything to add? No, I mean, I would just, even if you're struggling with a lot of the choices they make, just find what you can encourage them in. Even if it's just a few things for a little while, you know, just find whatever you can encourage them in and strengthen, strengthen them in that. Jordan, do you have anything to add? Okay. All right. Uh, my name is Dale Salas from North Carolina, and one of the things I've always admired about you guys is your commitment to family. And I'd like to hear a little more, like you were talking about being in a conference and your child's not raising his hand, but other kids in the youth group are, and helping them find their calling. I have a 15-year-old, and I'm the son of a preacher, and so I'm, I'm in that. I'm not trying to make him in church, but like, how did you, like, just what are some things you did? And maybe that's not on comparison, but kind of that whole coaching your parent, your kids into their destiny, if, that, if you will. I think for us, we love them where they were at, for sure. I'll never forget Jordan, our son, that's here in his uh, soft, no, junior year of high school. We're riding in the car. We weren't even talking. And then just out of his mouth, he's like, I just want you, we have a college as well, Bayside College. And he's like, I just want you to know I'm not going to Bayside College. And I was like, Okay, no one was talking. There was just was silence like, in the car. I was like, that's, that's fine. And he's like, no, mom, I am not going to Bayside College. And I was like, son, everyone has a calling, but that doesn't mean it's full-time ministry. Whatever God has called you to, we will support you in that. And I, so I think it's just loving them where they are. I, I think for the last two years, I've just learned more than anything, just I have to trust God with my children. I have to surrender them to the Holy Spirit and trust them in that. And the greatest thing that you can do as a parent is pray for your children. I mean, we underestimate the power of prayer, but honestly, it is absolutely the best thing that we can do for our kids. So I think that's part of... It, it is. Amy says to love your kids, and that is right. You have to love your kids and trust God with them. And uh, because they don't always make the right decisions and, and they're, they're, you know, you have to figure out what your boundaries and what the consequences are going to be for bad decisions. But, uh, but, but they need to know that they're loved and they need to be very clear on what those boundaries are. And they need to be very clear that they are called not to ministry. Maybe that's not for you to decide. God is the one that calls people, but you have a calling and whatever it is, BZs are going to do their best. And so my responsibility as your parent is to help you figure out what that calling is. If it's business, then guess what? I'm going to help you be the best person, business leader that you can be. If it's ministry, then we're going to do it. If it's being a teacher or whatever, it doesn't matter what it is. I'm going to help you the best that I can. Now, when Amy's talking about praying, um, we had a situation with one of our kids that, that lasted two years. And uh, it wasn't necessarily wrong, but what they were doing was not right. <laughs> you know, those are the worst kind of situations because when it's wrong, you can go, look, no, the Bible says, and this is just wrong, okay? But when we it just, just had doesn't- a check in our spirit about it. We it just... doesn't feel right. Yeah, we had a check in our spirit. And you know how many times I wanted to barge in his room and say, all right, it's it. Let me just tell you, I'm, I know what the Lord is telling me and you need to listen to me on this one. 
and I came so close. It's almost like when you write the social media post, but then you never post it. Uh, that's exactly what I was doing. I was like, I was walking in the room and then I didn't do it. Thank God. For two years, we just had to, to pray and to trust God. And then God handled it. And, uh, and on the backside of that, the lessons that were learned and the heart of the child on the backside of that was way better than if I would have tried to do it or if Amy would have tried to do it. And so, um, that, I mean, that's just some of the Just be principles. patient. Um, we didn't, I mean, there is so many different theories about, you know, your kids and going to youth group and all that too. All of our children, they had to go to church every week. We learned early on actually from Jordan um, that we did not force ours to go to youth group, although we wanted them to be there. Um, it was very uncomfortable for them. They felt like all eyes were on them. Some have been very involved, some haven't. And so we had to walk through that process. And as pastors of the church, that's kind of humbling for us too. Like we want our kids there in, in love with the ministry. And so, but we know other pastors that they made their kids be there for Wednesday night and for Sunday and their kids have turned out amazing too. So I think you have to pray and decide what's best for your family as well. Jordan, do you have any advice for him? Anything to add? Hey, hey, y'all. Um, I would just say that, uh, kind of on what my dad was hitting on that, whatever they feel called to in the moment, be all in with them for that. So there was a season where I was, I thought I was called to business, but I was just running for my calling. And my mom and dad, they made every call they could to get me in internships wherever I wanted. And then it was financial advising for a little. And they're like, all right, internships here with that. And I always knew that because they were doing that, no matter what they ever, or what, no matter what I ever did, they were all in with that no matter what. And they believed God called me to whatever it was at that time because they're like, God, you could be calling them to business. All right, let's, let's do everything we can to give him the best position in business he can. And just whatever it is, go all in with them for it. And uh, they'll see your heart in that. And it, it, it changed me to see their heart wanting me to do whatever I felt like I was called to do. Yeah, that is great. You know, it kind of goes along with that when it comes to this parenting thing. I made a decision. I was going to be my kid's biggest cheerleader. And not even just their cheerleader, but also their advocate. So uh, I would go to their coaches on their soccer teams or whatever, and I'd go, hey, listen, uh, my son is a part of your team and I'm going to support you 100%, but I want them to be the best that they can be. So what is it they need to work on? And I, I will support whatever you're telling them at home. And I would go to teachers and I would, you know, I would go to these people that would, they would do an internship with for, for business or whatever. And I was always behind the scenes working everything that I could, giving as much advantage to them as I can to help them be the best that they can be. And then I recommend you do that, whether it's ministry or not. Don't show favorites to that. Just be the best parent and, and be a great advocate for them for whatever it is. I want them to be successful, to be the best that they can be. Not good, not better, but best. I wanted to ask, I love that line that you said, be content, but not satisfied. Now, being at a conference, as you said, we're all type A leaders and we're always looking for that next hill to conquer. Uh, so my question to you guys is, how do you walk out of church on a Sunday and say, okay, this was the list of a hundred things I want to see changed, but man, I'm still going to praise God for everything that he did too. So like practically, how do you kind of balance both of those things out? 
Yeah, so, um, you know, I think you have to find something to, to be encouraging about. You know, if, if in your marriage, if your spouse is in a bad season, you're only doing one thing great, well, find the one thing and give it 100% of your praise, right? And, and so, otherwise, you'll look at all the things that they're not doing right. That's true of church as well. There, there, there should be seasons of growing, and you should be improving and, and doing things better. Uh, so don't stop doing that, but be an encourager as well. If you're always telling people how they're doing it wrong, uh, you're going to browbeat them and people aren't going to want to serve and, and be around you. So uh, I always think you should lead with encouragement. When it comes to uh, not being satisfied, that happens because you see where other people are. So I would encourage you guys to be students. Instead of being jealous of where someone is, go learn from them. Hey, you guys are killing it with this college or this leadership or the finances or buildings or campuses. And I want to go learn from you. That's the not being satisfied. And in doing that, then you can come and with encouragement, help your team to grow as well. I would also just add, um, maybe when you leave that day and you have this list, kind of lay it to the side for a day or two, kind of just put it to the side and see what's still stirring on your heart after a few days instead of in the moment. How y'all doing? Uh, I'm Dakota from Cypress, Texas. I'm a recently married man. She's not in here, but tell her I said some really good things. Well, until we see her, we won't believe it. So, anyway. No. <laughs> no, congratulations. Um, thank you. I appreciate it. So we're, we're both in the ministry. Uh, we're both new at all this. What are some things that you've dealt with and safeguards that you've put up for comparison between yourselves? Maybe you're at a different season with God than the other person is. Just how have you dealt with comparison with your spouse throughout your, your marriage? Uh-huh. That's uh, we're so different. We, we are we are complete opposite. We could talk opposite. for hours about this, right? As well. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say. I mean, we're we're so. I'm gonna see how hard she goes on this before I decide. I'm playing playing my cards real close to my chest here. Obviously, okay? has more issues with it than me because honestly, I'm like we're so different. We don't really compare, but maybe we do. I didn't know about no, that. No, I didn't say we compared. I'm just playing it cool. I mean, I, I think we're so different that we just, for us personally, we really kind of balance each other out. Um, he's all drive, go-getter, visionary. I don't like change. I like things the same. It's kind of, so we kind of balance each other out a lot in, in different yep, things. Absolutely. Um, and then I think we're each other's best cheerleaders too. When one's doing really well, I mean, there are times, you know, in marriage that there are struggles, but I think it's waking up every day and saying, I'm going to cheer him on. He's doing amazing at this. And Keep going. Yeah. His love language is words of encouragement. Yeah. Can you tell? Yeah. My love language is words of encouragement and acts of service. So I want her just to serve me grapes. And the whole time she's serving me grapes, just tell me how great I am. So, I mean, yeah, what's so hard? And she loves serving. So I'm helping her store up treasures in heaven. So it's kind of a win-win thing we got going here. So I don't, I don't really see the problem, you know? You're welcome. Do you have any yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, got off track there. Just thinking about how good I have it. <laughs> so, uh, Dakota, what I would what I would tell you is, uh, now I can speak for Amy and I. We we are not alike. We are we are opposite ends of the spectrum on every disc profile and giftings test that you would take. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, here's what that means for us. Here's how we've solved that problem. Uh, let me just let you know that the things that I love about Amy are the things that drive me the craziest. Yep. And, and yeah, well, I was getting there. <laughs> she just pounced on that one in a hurry, right? It's, it's very true. And so, um, 
So we have to learn how to appreciate who that person is and uh, realize that God brought the two to make you one because you're much better together. And uh, so there are things about your spouse that you would be lacking if she were not there. And so what that means is if you don't listen to that and accept that and, and try to lean into that, as hard as that is sometimes, uh, because you live with each other all the time, so it's easier to sometimes take information from someone else. But here's what I can tell you. If you don't, you will not be as good as you could. And so you just have to learn how to do that. So uh, how do I do that? I, uh, we, we have a marriage checkup that we, we do. And, uh, and, and so it's kind of a, uh, a free zone there. It's, a, it's an okay time to, to talk about really difficult issues because if we don't do it at that time, I'm gonna be super defensive. I'm much more prideful than she is. I mean, Amy's, you know, she almost didn't need Jesus to get to heaven. I mean, honestly, she's like, we did it because we have to, but I think she'd get there anyway. I mean, honestly, <laughs> she really is incredible. And uh, so, so for me, I, I have to, to, to learn from her. And so the only time I can do or the best time for me to do that is in a non-conflict time. So we, we basically just ask each other, hey, what am I doing really well in? And what am I not doing so well in? Uh, I like to start with the positive first. And, and I need that encouragement, right? That's my top love language. And then she tells me how I can improve as well. And then we, we share a wish, a hope, and a dream. Uh, and then we pray with one another as well. And uh, so that's how you can make sure and have a moment where there's no conflict and I'm gonna lean into what they're saying so that I can be better with her and she can be better with you. Hello, uh, I'm Luke from Austin, Texas. Thank you guys. First of all, this is awesome. Um, I, w I, I would love to hear your thoughts or opinions or advice on, uh, I think this would fall in the same category, accusations more at like a global church level um, of, you know, a preacher to another preacher, a church to another church of, you know, maybe it's not more frequent, maybe I'm just finding it more often, but people calling others false prophets and false teachers, and we, we know that that is uh, a reality because Jesus has told us that, uh, but we're also imperfect people trying to lead people to a perfect savior. And, um, I, it's just, it hurts my heart to see that where there are a lot of people that are, that are receiving those accusations that have, you know, stepped up and put their family and their lives, um, on the line for the gospel. And, uh, and how you, how you deal with that, what advice you would give to, to other people that are dealing with that. So uh, I, can, I can tell you uh, how I handle these things. Uh, you know, people are always going to say things negative. They, they just are. And I don't know that it's more prevalent, but because of social media, mm -hmm. it's just more easily accessible. So perhaps that's why we, we notice it so much more now than we used to. I would just tell you, here's how I would answer that. I have a few people in my life that I'm extremely accountable to, and that's who I listen to. And uh, I can't please everyone. You know, inevitably, if you try to please everyone, you'll end up pleasing no one. And so I have people in my life that know me. Uh, I don't give that right to anyone as people that, I, that really know me and believe in me, and I can trust them with that, but they'll be honest with me, okay? And so, uh, so when those accusations, when they come about me, uh, they're going to happen. I, you just have to shut them off. I, I, got, I got the worst email after church on Sunday, 
just blasting me about my wrong teaching and all this kind of stuff. I shouldn't even read that stuff. I just get so mad and I type the email and I never send it and I delete it. And maybe that's my process for handling it. But I shouldn't even look at that stuff. Like Joel said, he, he challenged me because I used to not look at it. And now I am again. And I'm just going to shut that stuff off. Then I'm going to allow the people that are close to me to really say something and allow them to really speak into my life. Let me give you one other thought. And the reason why I think it's important that I don't read those and you don't read those and you only have a small sphere of influence that you're going to listen to. Please don't misunderstand me. They need people that'll be real with you. You don't, you don't need people that'll be friendly with you. You need a real friend. Someone that'll tell you what you don't want to hear, but what you need to hear. And they'll love you anyway. Okay. So that, that's what this small circle has to be. But my pastor, Larry Stockstill told me, said, Randy, when you go start this church, go build the wall and don't come down. I forget who else. I think it was Joel. He was talking about that. There's always sand ballots and Tobias. And if I come down from the wall, every time somebody says something negative about me, then I'll spend my whole energy and effort on refuting what they say. And I'll never build the wall that God called me to build. So that that's how I handle it. I'm not the best at it all the time. In fact, I'm recorrecting right now. I've already been challenged already by Joel and what he said. So for me, it's a lot harder um, yeah. he's better. It, it just, you know, I think women, I mama bear, she wants to raise up and in the church is our baby. And some people just don't understand his heart and they just say things. They don't even necessarily mean it mean sometimes. And so I've, he's good at protecting me. He actually, I didn't know he got that email, but, um, no, I never tell her because yeah, I know how hard I find she'll out take sometimes it. I've learned over the years that this is God's church. It is not, are not our church. So as long as we're on our knees before the Lord leading this church, that I'm just going to trust him with it. But for me also putting something if I hear something negative or read something negative, putting something positive, something that God has used our church or us personally to help somebody in, and I just stay focused on that. I try not to focus on the negative. I just put something positive that God has done in front of me so that I can more focus on that. My mom used to tell me two things. Uh, she used to instill these little idioms in me all the time, and that was, uh, you gotta have skin like an alligator and heart like a dove. And uh, so you got to be tough on the outside. Don't let what people say get to you and your heart tender towards the Lord. And the other thing she would tell me all the time is you need to get rid of your, you need to get a checkup from your neck up and get rid of your stinking thinking, right? <laughs> and uh, so you just got to keep your attitude right. So anyway, uh, we have one more minute if someone wants to ask more question right up here. She's got a, the best question was saved for last right here. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, my question is, I think sometimes we know when there's like a trigger, right? And so we have that insecurity or doubt. But what about when you can't pinpoint the trigger? Do you guys have a blueprint of how to um, take that thought captive and switch it? You mean a trigger is like some particular thing is an area is, is spoken negatively about or in your life or something that you... Uh, is a trigger point for comparison for you? I'm, I'm so when you have a compare, an insecurity or a doubt come to your mind mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you don't know where it came from or why you're thinking that, let's mm -hmm. say you're going to go to bed or let's say you're about to speak and there's some type of battle of comparison, mm -hmm. but you can't really pinpoint the trigger. Mm -hmm. Is there a blueprint or a process you guys go through for you personally? When doubt I just pull up scripture, put the worship music on. I think that yeah. kind of helps me refocus a lot of times. Um, 
Yeah, I'm the same way. And it goes back to this scripture where, uh, you know, where it says that you have to take those thoughts captive and then it says, make them obedient. That word take captive. Uh, it actually means to gain control of that. And then that word, make it obedient. It actually means submission. So make it submissive to Christ. So how do you do that? What does God's word say about you? And if you feel less than, or you're not doing a good job or you're not worthy or whatever that is, take that thought and control it underneath what God's word says about you. And so in other words, you can, the acid test can be God's word. What does it say about me and who I am? And, and if it's against that, then it's the, it's the devil. So the opposite must be true. You're not worthy. If that's what he's telling you, well, the opposite must be true. I'm a, I'm a worthy daughter of the King. Uh, you're, that's never, that prayer's never going to be answered. That's never going to be solved in your life. Well, then that means if the devil's the father of lies, then the very opposite of that must be true. Then it must mean that that answer is going to come. So it should give you something to rejoice about. And that's kind of how I handle it. Thank you guys so much. We really enjoyed our time with you guys.